I'm nervous, buddy. You're a big time you're, guest, you're right. man. Dude, don't be you're nervous with me. Time. You gotta be nervous with everybody else. I'm the easiest guy in the world to deal with, dude. I, I know you are. I know dude, you are. But I'm you still nervous be. to talk to you, yeah. man. You're Cam you Jensen. You beat me up. You should be nervous about shit. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Sheriff, guys. We have reached episode number nine. And, guys, right away, there was, there's no time to wait to, to try to build up for this type of guest. He is one of the main guys in media right now, not only on radio, but also on podcast. This man was a, a gentleman that not only played in the NHL, but really embraced the enforcer role, the energy guy, the all-around good guy. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Cam Jansons. How are you doing, up? Mr. Cam Jansons? What's up, man? What's going on? What's not going too on, much, buddy. I know that was a long intro, but I was trying to think of... good. How could I introduce a guy that I would say, Cam, you were probably... The biggest energy guy that I ever played against, my man. You know yeah. what I mean? And oh, yeah. whenever your name has ever come up, whenever I've heard your name on the radio, just people talking about you, the first thing that comes into my mind is energy. Man, did that man ever have some energy, <laughs> right? Well, that, that's what, it, you know, I, I, look, everybody has their own kind of like role, right? Not necessarily role. I would say style, your style. And my style was I wanted to hit guys consistently and be be kind of a bowling ball to where you rush the play and you get guys when they're coming around in that and then able to fight whoever like you, like monsters like you or whatever, and be able to like be intimidating that way. But I love the energy aspect where I'm coming to get you and there's no way of avoiding it. You could avoid the fights. But I'm going to get you on the hit, man, because I'm fast enough to get in there and be able to explode into a hit. But it also cost you a lot of money whenever you get suspended, too, when you get catch guys weird and shit. So, the, but that's what it was. Like, I was, I, I love to hit guys. And so that energy just, like, kind of propelled that whole style I had, you know? Yeah, Cam, I, I know exactly what you mean, buddy, because uh, unfortunately I had to play against you, right? So <laughs> I, I have distant memories from our junior days, and then I have, you know, also, you know, but not so much distant memories from AHL days before you graduated yes. onto the NHL. Yeah. So I know exactly what you mean, brother. And, you know, the thing is, is we're talking about energy and me knowing that you were going to be the guest on the show today, I have a little bit more energy. So I'm a little bit hyper. I'm excited. I've even forgotten to mention a couple things. I was so excited that I actually have an opportunity to chirp my co-host today. Because ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, my co-host, Kyle Warner, he's not able to be in the show today, guys, only because the guy just wasn't responsible enough to have a safe car and it broke <laughs> oh, down today. You know what I mean? So working his ass off. You got to give him a break. Look, man. Look, when you're in the basket podcast game, the radio game, when I have to do a radio show every damn day, sometimes my co-host like, dude, I am in a jam. I got this and that. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll figure it out. Blah, blah, blah. You just work it. I remember having to do in my early years of radio where I had to do a two-hour show 
and the PGA Tour was on in St. Louis where Tiger Woods was competing in St. Louis. And that's what everybody was talking about. And I was the only one there, and I had to host a show. Not talk about hockey. This is my early days. So I had to come up with a show plan about golf, which I'm not privy on. And I had to, like, get guys in order and just figure it out like what you're doing. And I did a two-hour show, and I just had my notes, and I made fun of myself. And it worked out, and people loved it. So you just got to you just gotta do it, man. I got thrown in a mix, dude. Sometimes you get thrown in a mix like that. But, you, dude, your, your car breaks down, dude. Who cares, man? That, that shit happens. Yeah. I mean – I can't chirp them that bad, you know, because it is the car stuff. But, ladies and gentlemen, no, I'm still chirping around. Kyle, still chirp Kyle, <laughs> Kyle apologizes for not being able to be here today. We're going to miss them, but we're definitely going to have them on the next episode. Yeah. Now, Cam, I, I, I really like, I really want to get into our OHL days, but I know that right before that, you were a hockey player that was playing minor hockey in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. So, Eureka, Eureka, Missouri. <laughs> That's where Mr. Cam Jansen's is from. So were you born in Eureka or did you just grow up there? Dude, I was born and raised, man. Way out in the I was born and raised. I was living in the middle of the woods, like way out, not in the middle of Missouri, but still far enough. You could still get into St. Louis, 45 to an hour to get into St. Louis. But it was still good, like school systems and stuff like that. But we grew up in like in the woods and we played roller hockey and stuff like that. And uh once I finally tried out for ice hockey, I just kind of went from house to double A, right to triple A, playing in these big tournaments. But, yeah, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, man, kind of, relatively speaking, to still be able to get to St. Louis, meaning we still had to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and drive an hour and a half to get to practice at 6.30 in the morning. And it was a pain in the ass for my parents, but they figured it out. Yes, they definitely figured it out. Yeah. Because they they pretty much groomed one of the biggest characters that I've ever played against, right? And and I, I, I want to accredit them. And the other thing I wanted to say, Cam, just because you just brought that up, is I do want to talk about family a little bit today, too, because I know how important that is to you. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've listened to a couple of your interviews, man, and I'll tell you what, man, I, I'm really impressed with how family-oriented you are and how much you involve them in your career and your life, because that's how I try to do it myself, right? So, Eureka, let's get back to Eureka, man. So, so you're at Eureka High School, okay? You're doing a few years, and then you you realize that you're you must have been scouted by several OHL teams because you ended up getting drafted to the Windsor Spitfires, right? And this is this was right before grade twelve. So can you talk about that recruitment a little bit? Like, yeah, no, how did Windsor reach out to you? It was it was before my sophomore year because I was still okay. I was 15, 15, 16 when I got drafted. So here's what I had to do. All right, I no one knew hockey in St. Louis. You know, hockey wasn't huge. Youth hockey, no one ever made it before. No one's playing the OHL. No one's doing any of that. But the Blues were huge. And we got obsessed with the Blues. And then I loved playing roller hockey in the basement. So we got doing that. Then my dad's like, okay, we're starting ice hockey. My dad coached me for a year playing with my brother's buddies. And I learned to skate and house league with older guys all hitting. So I, right when I started playing hockey, I was able to hit against older guys because I wanted to play with my brother's age. He was two years older than me. So now I'm in there hitting kids that are older than me. And I'm like, whoa, I could do this. And I learned to skate because I played soccer and every sport. And I was really fast at running. And I was just a really good athlete. But I loved hockey. And so we kept going, kept doing it. So I made the double-A team. And then I started playing triple-A hockey. 
And so once I started playing junior uh, amateur blues, we go up to Toronto. I just had Rick Nash on the podcast. I remember going up to Toronto and playing against him all the time. And no one would care about the blues, but I'd go out there and fuck guys up big time. They're coming yeah. on a night and I'd come, boom. I have all these tapes of it still. It's so funny. And so we go up to these tournaments, man. And I'd get kids so hard because I was big. Like I, was, I wasn't tall, but I was just thick. And I was st- strong on my skates. And I was able to like stick you, you know, not just like hit you, like lean into you like a torpedo and stick kids. And it would, I, the, the moms would want to hate kill me. And I remember just getting all these agents would come to my dad all the time when I was playing AAA when I was like 11, 12. Like, who, the, who is this kid? The moms would pour beer on me, whatever, coffee. <laughs> and I, then I scored like three goals in that game because I, I was fast enough to get around guys. But like, yeah. I was not, I was still like, I didn't know the game. My dad never taught me the game. He didn't know shit. So I was just new to all that. But I was just strong and big enough. And so I got noticed every fucking tournament. Sometimes I go all the way up there, Sheriff, all the way up there, 12 hours. My mom's like getting pissed at my dad. We were spending fucking money. And I'd go out there first shift and fuck a kid up so bad behind the net with a, you know, boom. He's done, you know, and then I'd be booted out of the whole tournament. And my dad had to take me home that night. So that, so would that, was that Bam Bam Cam? Oh, is that how and, that started? Well, that, well, yeah, but then all the scouts and agents came up and like, well, you're going to get drafted in the OHL. I'm like, what? What's the OHL? Like, we don't even know what the fuck yeah. it is. Like, I had no idea. And like, you're going to get drafted. Just trust us. We're like, okay, here's skates. What do you need? I know your parents aren't wealthy. What do you need? Here's this. Scott Norton was awesome. Fucking, he brought me to everything. Then I had to go visit all the goddamn teams and shit like that. And I saw the Spitfires. They saw me play. So my 15, 16-year-old year, I played for the St. Louis Sting. So I didn't even have to leave town. So I was a freshman, uh, sophomore in, in, in high school, leaving school early, three, four classes early, to go practice with the St. Louis Sting because they gave it an okay from the school because it was juniors. And so I played at home, and I fought all those, like, 21-year-old kids in the North American League, and then they scouted me then, too, and then they drafted me. Yes. Yes. Now, now, just for the listeners out there, me and Cam are, are only two years apart. I'm a 1982 birthday. Cam's a 1984 birthday. Now, we both played in the OHL at the same time. It was my third year when it was Cam's first year. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, normally, that would be an advantage. But for me, Cam, when you came into the league, with me not being any, any type of overconfident or anything like that, people were saying that, that I had the heavyweight belt when you entered the league. Is that correct? Oh, God, yeah, Did dude. You say that? Yeah, no, I was scared about it because, no, you anytime that I was loud at the beginning and then we were playing you, you were London and you were, you, you, you bounced around a little bit, but yeah, I fought you in different teams, but yeah. everywhere you London go, and the, Oshawa. the fans, the fans are like, you're going to go big Mac. You're going to go big Mac. And then I'm like, you know, that it was intimidating as a 17 year old. Like you're, because now you're finally in the spotlight, dude, because in juniors in St. Louis, no one gave a shit. But once you get to the O you're in the spotlight and you're on TV and you're in the paper, and fans are starting to text you, or uh, even the noof was coming out on on, on, on uh, social media at the time, I remember. And then you look up people talking about who's going to fight, and we were, we were really popular in the league. 
were extremely yeah. popular. So it all it never mind the game. It was about who the fuck I was gonna fight and a lot yep. and who you were gonna fight. And it built up so much, like 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 a, a barbarians. So it was now, now I'll tell you what. When you entered the league, I was going into my second season with the London Knights and with the Hunters as not only as coach Dale but yeah. GM Mark. Okay. Yeah. Now, so I was close with the Hunters. Mark drafted me to Sarnia, right? So the Hunters would kind of tell me kind of like stuff that was happening in the summer. And, man, they started telling me about how the Windsor Spitfires had just drafted a kid from the States, from St. Louis. And this kid is the toughest thing going. So, Mac, we got to be ready. We got young Chris Bain that we drafted. But we're going to need you to be ready for this guy because we can't have Windsor being the king of the league. We're supposed to be the kings of the league. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. was the first time I heard about you, my friend. Isn't that funny okay. how that is? That's how it was, though, back then, man, because a kid in juniors that's intimidating could win you games really easily, especially back then. Like, you could push a team around back then. And, and, and just being them, like, you know, like if you had a little bit of skill, like it was, and it's torture. And especially for the hunters where like, if, if, if I came in there and just fucking prance around spinning my stick, like what the fuck are you going to do? <laughs> like those guys hated it. Like, they, oh, yeah. like, no, 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 no. We not, you know, they're trying to build a new arena. They, they're yeah. like, you know, like, it's just like, it just was such an intimidating thing. It's not like that anymore. But, God, it wasn't juniors back in the early 2000s, man. Like, it just was. It was crazy. You fucking, the big boys ran the show. They Like, you had your superstars, then you had your heavies. And, like, they needed to be a good combination if you were going to go all, you're going to win games. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. wrong on that? Kind of sounds, kind of sounds like the NHL in the 80s and 90s, my friend. Y- yeah. And even scoring was at its highest, and fighting was also at its highest. And it seemed well, to work out then. And even in like the 2000s, all the way up to 2010, dude, they're yeah. look at Anaheim in 2007. Like, they had, look who they had on their team when Berkey was doing his thing, dude. Yeah. And they were crushing guys. They had Mayday, they had Thornton, they had Peros, they had probably what? They were bad to the bone. So, like, they the were. game's changed, but like, even, even to 2010, besides the Blackhawks when they could squeak away, but they had Bufflin sometimes, you know, they were just really, really good. But, yeah, man, like you could – big and tough was, was hardcore, especially in the OHL. Now, Cam, I want to I wanna take you back to a game that was at the Ice House in London, okay? Now, this game, I believe it was one of the first games that, that our teams had played against each other, okay? That night, you fought Chris Bain. The same night, I fought Brett Angel. This was at the ice house. Now I wanted to, I'm going to describe your fight a little bit. So I, so I can make sure that you remember the fight with you and Bane, you guys threw so many punches toe to toe that fight at the ice house, your rookie season early in the season that I think they counted. It was over a hundred punches for both fighters. Like, I do- like completely doubt. I doubt that. I doubt no, that. But do you remember, do you yeah. remember it's, that it's night in London? Yeah. It's on YouTube. Yes. I, I, I know a lot of fights. Cause sometimes you have a couple of beers and you go back and you watch yeah. them and people send them to you. But of we course. start, we had a good exchange 
but I wasn't getting my rhythm and he was like hitting me. And then all of a sudden I kind of, kind of threw him down and I came down and caught him right in his jaw when he was down, which is, it was gullish, but it was, it was more like I was in motion. And then I kind of popped up like, look, you, and I think I busted him up and it was a kind of a big deal, but we, he was beat me in the exchange. I couldn't get my rhythm down. I'm like, God, I was just, I was still kind of used to fighting different kind of guys, you know? And uh, yeah, man, I don't, I know my fights, dude. I, we got a ton, we both have a ton of them, but you, you know, no, you know, the good one, you know, the ones that the attention ones and that Neo was a, was a good one for me. Although I did have to hit him when he's down, but it's just, you're fucking psycho at that time. Who cares? Yeah. He's all good. He is all good. He's all now good. Cam, that was the fight that did it for the hunters. When you, when you like, and, and, and a real fighter knows you win some, you lose some, right? Like the famous Drizzy Drake says, as long as the outcome is income, yeah. right? Yeah. There's no one that wins them all, right? So yeah, no. Chris Bain lost that fight to you, right? And the hunters couldn't take it. They're like, we're not, we're not matching them up with Bain train anymore. I don't care if he's a rookie. You have to fight Cam next game. Okay. Yeah. So now, next game is in Windsor. This game was a very special night for Mr. Cam Jansons. And I think that you're going to remember this one pretty good because you did something pretty special in that game. There's a famous hockey player named Gordie Howe that was famous in his career for doing a Gordie Howe hat trick, right? Oh, yeah. Fight a goal and assist. The only thing is that in this game, Cam, I think you had. A fight, two goals, and maybe two assists, or something <laughs> like that, right? Do, do, do you remember that night, my friend? Yeah, well, I didn't have too many of those, but and you know, it happened once in a while, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I have to go you that night? We fought that night because I was part of your Gordie Howe hat trick, my friend. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Now, do you know how I know about that night a lot is because – for some reason, I, I get a feed once in a while. And, Cam, it's an interview that you've done with the Windsor Media. And it was, it was following that game. It was in the dressing room after you had the Gordie Howe hat trick. And you're having this interview, brother. You're 17 years old. You are entertaining everybody in the room that's in ear's length. The guy that's interviewing you... He can't even believe that you can speak the way you can at 17 years old. Okay. Listen. Okay. It was absolutely incredible. You got to look it up, man. And, and you talk about us. You talk about me and you. And you say something like, you know, I was in school today, uh, yesterday. And all I was worried about is, you know, we got to play. We got to play London and McMorrow and what if I get a black eye and I got to come to school the next day? And, and it was incredible. You were telling this story and it was like watching, watching a, like a, a, a talk show, but a 17 year old hosting it. And, it. and it was that moment, Cam, it was that moment that I realized that you were so ahead of your time, my friend, that it yeah. was incredible. And I've had interviews where I've talked about this because guys Guys always ask us about other tough guys. Well, who are the toughest guys in the O? Who are the toughest guys in the A, the show, right? So your name comes up a lot. And what I always say about you is that Cam Jansen's biggest energy guy I've ever met, the, the, the best endurance fighter. And Cam, I've watched your interviews. I know you don't think that you have good cardio. 
I know this. <laughs> but Cam, let me tell you something, buddy. When you can fight three times as long as any other fighter in history, you got good cardio, my friend. You got you incredible see, endurance. I worked I for it. I, I worked for it. I did. I did. With the with the training and all that, with the hockey training. But yeah, man, no, I, I dude, and who am I kidding with the black eyes thing, though? Like if you go to school with a black eye, the girls are all over you, dude. They're all over you because everybody's talking about it. I went to three different high schools because I wanted to go like talk to different girls. And you go to school and you got a cut over your eye, and everybody's like, "Oh, Cam, what happened? What?" Ha-? I'm like, "Oh, well, he caught me a little bit here. <laughs> Look at my picture. Look at the, you know, I mean, like I'm such, I was such a tool." But, you know, you just learn it. And they're like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a little dizzy. That was the best thing ever, man. You kidding? So that's why, like, it gave me, like, I wanted to go and fight everybody because you, you can just walk around like, I, all right, I'm a man. Like, I know it sounds corny and goofy, but no, you do. Like, look at you walking around, like, when you're walking around overseas and you're the sheriff and you walk around, like, no, I, I bring the heat. So that's why I can do this. But you still got to be humble, but you have, that's your, you're like, it's your personality. Then, Like, no, I got to go, I, I'll do anything. Cause I want to, I want to walk around like a peacock once in a while. Yes. In a humble buddy, way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I'll tell you what. So like, like, I mean, for me, that season, it, it was a very big season, I think for both of us. And I think your first year, my third year in the OHL. And I think for me, Cam, like, I'll be honest with you, man. I didn't like playing against you, buddy. A lot of the tough guys at that time I liked playing against because we were so dominant in junior cam. So it was almost fun for us to just, and we had goals of how much we wanted to abuse people in the game and stuff like that, right? You know what I'm saying? But with you, Cam, it was like, man, this guy's a rookie and he's not going to stop. Like, we're going to fight. And he's just not going to stop. So it doesn't really matter what I do. He's just going to keep coming. And I'm just going to have to fucking just just flip him down and just hold him down. And, and that was the only way I could deal with you, man. Because your endurance is so incredible that I knew that I couldn't, I, I couldn't outlast you. I knew that I couldn't hurt you. Right? Well, you know what and I did, And I'm just though? like, dude. You know what I did? I, you know, I partied hard. Don't get me wrong. Very, very hard. Okay? Like, you're, you're 17 years old. All your buddies back home are like going to their mommy and daddy's basement and hanging out. We're like, we're like walking through VIP lines at bars, hanging out with all the hot girls there. If there's hot girls are hanging out with you because your people know you and you're 17 and you're like, what? But like, I, 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 you just, I fed off of that, that crowd, man. Like you just, it's your first time really being, getting attention. But I knew that in order to get attention and be good, you need to be tough, tough, tough against big guys like you. So I used to go train with these hardcore cats over in Detroit, these badass hardcore boxing gym where you walk in. It's not fluffy. It's hardcore, hardcore. You all, I mean, I'm telling you, but they were the nicest, cool. And they brought me in. And I, you know, like the hardcore part and they, they work with me. They're cool. I got them tickets to the game and I worked on my left and stuff like that. And I sucked it up and did that. I might've missed school a couple of times. Eh. And they, you know, what are they going to do? Like, they know I'm gone the next year when you sign and shit, like you're already gone. So like, maybe I went over and boxed because I didn't go to school, but I did that, man. And now I don't know how many, how many guys would do that on their own, but that helped a lot. 
And you did that your first year? Yeah. Windsor? It was my second year. Because the first year, you can't, you don't have that. I had to figure it out. My second yes. year, I had all the, my second year, I had money and I had, I just signed and I'm like, I got to fucking hang with the hardcore shit kickers. So I fucking went over and boxed with the shit kickers over in Detroit. Yes. So, so, so you, so you signed with New Jersey right away? Right away. Right Holy after the draft. Buddy. My parents didn't have any money. So I needed money to work out. And so they signed me for a 200 grand. And I spent 50 grand in, in probably like three days. I gave up a couple, like 10, 15 paid off bills. My mom, dad bought a suburban. Then you get another 50 grand. And I added those up, spent a lot of money on booze and who the fucking partying, dude. Like no other, because no, nobody has money. I had money at 18 years old like that. That's a lot of money. And so, and then I bought the house next to my parents. And, really? you know, yeah. So it's not a ton of money, but I was able to put enough down to buy the, my neighbors moved out in my blue collar middle class in Eureka. And then neighbors next door moved out and I bought it next to my parents. So I had my own house at 18, my own little cute house. So I had like all my, all my high school, but everybody lives at home. So I had people at my house all the time. It's fucking Funny. awesome. I know. That's incredible. Yeah. That's it incredible. Wasn't that incredible. Like, I just had a little bit. It wasn't that nice. I, I, I just moved from there and I moved into this big ass house now, but I lived there for shit 15 years next to my parents. I never want to move. I had to go through a couple ups and downs to get my money back that I spent. But now we're able to move out and, and buy this big old fucking house. Real nice. But I was, I had to figure it out again, but I had that cute little house next to my mom and dad, man. It was awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is awesome. I want to yeah. double down on that. But what's even, what's even equally as awesome, Cam, is that like for the listeners that don't know how the system works with when the guys get drafted to the NHL and whatnot, is that, I would say, Cam, what would you say? 95% of the players sign a full two seasons by that June 1st after they get drafted. Oh, yeah. And it's maybe a 5% that might sign before that. Well, but those well, are top five rounders, picks. For, yeah, top yeah. five picks, no. buddy. Lou, Not just first rounders. There's first rounders that have that, to wait those two fuck, years. Yeah. yeah. Lou Lamarillo hooked me up. because Lou Lamarillo hooked you up. Damn right. Because he knew I had it. He knew I was going to come in and be a motherfucker. Damn like I'm right, come in and be a fucking bad boy, and be a killer, and hit, and be a good teammate, and be funny. He just knew me. He had Marcel Pronovo scouting me on Windsor. Then I get traded to Guelph, and then he went. We all, were able to win the OHL championship, so he knew I knew how to play in the playoffs without taking stupid penalty minutes. And so he's like, I need to get him, sign him, so he he can work out. And when he goes home, he's not fucking off with girls. He's gonna go home and have a trainer because we know he likes to work out, and they. Because it costs money. It costs yes. fucking money to fucking get where you need to go. It costs money, dude. So Lou gave me the money I needed. I spent a lot of it, but I did the right thing with it. And my parents are comfortable, and I had trainers, and then everybody was able to take care of what I needed to do because I had that extra coin. That's it, dude. Or else I would have been fucking way behind the game. I've trained with boxing and fucking MMA. And then I had my trainers. Then I skated every day. I bought different things. I got a house so I'm comfortable. Fuck. And it worked. Kem, I played with guys that signed 8, 900, 1.1, and they did nothing with it, buddy. I you know. just named about 20 things that you did I with did. the first 50 grand, my friend. Well, you I did a good job. Yeah, I spent like thirty to fifty. Like, 
I spent a fuck ton of money. Now, you understand, right after my 19-year-old, I started making money, too. So, right, I, I had that kind of, I was making good money in the minors. Yeah. Still, you know, even that during that lockout year when we played against each other. So, I was still yep. making decent, like, 60, 70 grand there with a little bit of bonus money, too. So, yep. it's like, I, I could spend a fuck ton being irresponsible because I was, but I did the big things I needed to do. The training, my house, and that's about it. And maybe a car, but, you know. But like I needed to keep making more money, or I would have been in debt. Okay, yeah, because I was yes, I, my 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 lifestyle was too much, so it yeah. helped. But yeah, so don't get me wrong, I didn't fucking say that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, well, well, but you I did, did the right thing. You were productive. Let's put it that there way. It you is. were productive. Thank okay, you. don't pump don't, a, don't a young toot my horn too much. Yeah, a young productive young Cam Jansen. Yeah, now, Cam. Yeah. Before we get into the pro, because we're going to get into pro right now, the one thing I want to talk to you about is I want to talk about the move from the Windsor Spitfires to the Guelph Storm. Yeah, what an okay? awesome thing because that was. Because that was a biggie. You, you, you got to participate in the Memorial Cup, yeah. and obviously there was a reason why Guelph wanted you to be on that run with them. Can you talk <laughs> yeah. about that a little bit, my friend? Yeah, so Windsor at the time was... They they were just in a rebuild and and in the, in the OHL a rebuild happens every couple of years because it's yeah. such a fucking transition. So they I was a big time popular guy. Huge. You know the fans. I was so cool with all of them. I loved them. My billets loved me. We were just tight. The fan. So I was tight with everybody. So it's very and I didn't know this was happening, but they did me a goddamn favor. Okay, because they were yeah. bad and also the Guelphs like we need it. We need to kill her. We're some fucking. We need. We need toughness. They were dominant. They had to deal with fucking Brandon Pruss in London. They had to deal okay. with Kitchener and fucking Clarkson and all those guys that are fucking tough. That and they were soft at the time. They had a couple guys, but they needed a fucking fuck you guy. Okay, yeah. you know what I mean by that. Yeah. And so they traded their first round pick in Ryan Carlock for me. And I remember like uh, I had my buddies up that weekend and we were partying hard. And I went back. I told this story a million times. Maybe on Chicklets. But I remember getting back to the uh, my billets, and they were crying, and there's people in the parking lot, and I didn't know it's cars, and they're crying. I go, what the fuck happened? I thought I was getting arrested because of the party last night. But they're like, Cam. And the coach comes in and goes, Cam, we traded you to Guelph. And I'm like, oh, fucking thank God. And they're like, oh, God. But I'm like, oh, thank God I'm, like, arrested or something because how my buddies are in town. <laughs> so, so anyway. I get traded to Guelph, man, and my car stunk. I had a big ex- uh, expedition or something because I, yeah, big old car. My buddies were in it. We're like smoking or fucking partying that thing all weekend with girls and whatever. And so I remember going to Guelph for the first time. And I finally had to, had to leave the next day. We all partied that night with all the team. It was a sad thing because I was close to everybody. You know, I made a mark there. So I go to Guelph, the coach, the assistant coach, and I think one of the owners waiting for me and they're like hey cam let's go up to uh this little uh steakhouse up the road hey, hey we'll just jump in with you and my car stunk so oh, fucking of of weird things okay yeah there's weird things laying around okay to where like when you get moved to a team they just the last thing that you want them to see is the weird smell the weird whatever laying around my buddies oh god almighty so they get in my fucking car and they get in they sit down and i go they're like this oh I go, dude, I'm so, my buddies had my car all weekend. Uh, I'm sorry about this. They're like, we don't give a fuck, Cam. We want you to come here and play. And it was the coolest thing in the world. And then we went out to eat, and we, it all worked out. Wow. That's something else. Yeah. So now, 
how did you guys how how was your experience like like in the in the mem cup the actual mem cup man well let me i'll tell you like just playing for that team that was a that was a really good team they didn't lose we didn't lose many games and the mentality how the guys were so professional compared to like the kids that you played with in windsor like it was a big deal dude the jump in teams and then we had to beat fucking london with Corey perry and weidman and Boland and God, Presty and all those guys would beat him in game seven. And so we win the title, which is awesome. What a cool experience to go through seven game series, play a ton of minutes, score some big goals, hit everybody. I remember getting like 30 minutes and penalties one game in the playoffs. 30 fucking minutes against London. We lost the game. Then we go out and we beat him the next game. And it's like you learn how to like play. And then and then we went to Memorial Cup, and it was just such a weird thing because you win, and all of a sudden it's like a month later, and all of a sudden you have to regroup and fucking play in the Mem Cup. And it's like, it's so hard to win that. And we just lost by a couple overtime goals there. We were partying pretty hard. And we, it, it just sucks that we lost because we had a really good team. But it, it just was one of those things. But the experience was, it was in Kelowna, by the way. No wonder. Dude, we were, oh, it was in Kelowna. So I had. Holy. Mm hmm. So wow. my, parents, my parents are up. And they had this fucking badass truck that they rented out. Like a, it was like a Denali when they first came out. And so I had all the guys in my place. And I go, let's get in this car. I had my brother in town. So my brother's driving the whole team with like James Wisniewski and all the guys that are getting awards up there too. Wiz? Yes. The Wiz kid? We all jump in my fucking car and we cruise around, Kelowna, partying with everybody, hang out with bikers and shit. And it's just like, did we lose a game because of that? Ah, but we just lost in overtime. But we had a blast, dude. It was fun, man. But we lost. Maybe it was my fault. Whatever. It is what it is. Though. Man, that, that must have been a great time in Kelowna. And, like, for the listeners that have never been out oh. west to Kelowna, Kelowna is like a paradise it's place. It's unbelievable. It's o- Okanagua. So Lake. Nice. Is that Okana- Lake Okanagua? Is that what that is? Yeah, yeah man. The, but but, the but it, it's... It's just a paradise, though. Like, it's the it's nicest place I think I've ever visited. It, because it's a valley. It's yeah. a valley. So it's never that cold, and it's never that hot. And you have that monster lake with all the wealthy guys in the NHL. They all have fucking lake houses there. Yeah. Or in Muskoka in fucking Ontario. Exactly. Trust me, I've interviewed so many guys. I ask them where their fucking lake houses are, okay? Yeah. No, I hear you, man. I, I, that, that, that'd that be pretty cool to hear all the different spots and how many people yeah. actually are in those popular spots. Big time. So now listen, so going along with this timeline, Cam, okay? So now you play in the AHL the following season. Now, brother, that was not any regular season. Uh-uh. Any hockey person knows that was the 2004-2005 NHL lockout season. That was where, a bad boy club. Where the AHL was the NHL, and the AHL was the super tough AHL. That was the toughest league of any league ever in existence. And I don't want to mean anything bad to the 60s and 70s, but these motherfuckers in 2004 were six foot eight, five, six, your size, and all do MMA and aren't just chucking for defense. They're like, I'm going to hurt you in multiple ways. Because Steve McIntyre, Colt Knorr, you, McGrath, me, all these, Goddard, McLaren. Bugard. Oh, my God. Boog, fucking, these, Fedoric, 
the scariest. Billy's. Oh God, Brasky. <laughs> we could go on and on for hours. Blonsky, motherfucker. Brasky. No, like the killers of all killers ever. Like the guys that would be Vikings, the guys that would be like head of a fucking military to lead charge. Like the scary you, like the scary warriors. Like the legitimate, their ancestors are warriors. If you go like Rob Skurlak. So Scurly. <laughs> Holy. Scurly. I thought you were talking about Rob Skurlak for a second. Scroizy. I mean, I guess we got to name it all because they're all going to listen. But it just was the, the biggest killers ever, dude. And Sugden. I mean, I can't I can go on. I can't stop. And that, that's just <laughs> one area. That's just one area of fucking killers. And then and then we're all, we're all, I mean, it was horrifying to be able to be 20 years old, 21, 20 years old. 1920, and have to go deal with the baddest boys ever in any league ever, in my opinion. Now, now, what Cam is describing right now, ladies and gentlemen, was a topic in episode three. I had special guest Mike Scroy, where we were also oh. discussing this season in the AHL, which was the NHL lockout season. Now, every AHL team, Cam, I'm sure you could agree, had a legit heavyweight AHL guy, probably two of them in the lineup. Then they would have one of the NHL tough guys that would be on the roster that maybe didn't have to play every game, but they wanted to keep him fresh and they would, you know what I mean? So Or couldn't play the, in any other league and they needed a league to play and they were, they were eligible to play there. Yeah. So every team had about two or three heavyweights on the team. It was it was disgustingly horrifying. It was so <laughs> horrifying. I, I don't know what to say about it. Like it was perfect for what I needed to get thrown in the fire for. Perfect for me. I mean 45 fights that year. I was trying to go toe-to-toe -to -toe McGratton with the penalty minutes, but that motherfucker who I love, who's a sweetheart and does awesome things for Calgary Flames, I love that man. But he would try to get 10-minute misconducts all the time just to rack his fucking penalty minutes up because I was, I, I just, so like, but I love him. He's just such a cool guy. But it was so The big earn. The big, how about the fight? How about the brawls? How about the brawls that we had? Like, God, nasty brawls on like Christian night on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> we're all going to hell because of that right? <laughs> it, it was it was quite the season cam and yeah. the fact that you were a 20 year old rookie and that's what you were exposed to was a super stacked ahl with some nhl juice added to it because it was an nhl lockout season that's pretty impressive that you were one of the top guys in the league as a rookie yeah, so, well, I mean, that's what you have to do. I mean, you want to be a big boy, you got to keep up with the big boys. So it's like, what the? I can't just be like, I'm going to pick my fights. No, I got to go, everybody. So it's like, it is. So if you want to be bad to the bone, that's what you got to do. So it yeah. is what it is, dude. Fuck that. You got to be bad to the bone. <laughs> now, what I think is bad to the bone is I want to fast forward to the next season on Albany. I want to fast forward to a weekend where your parents, who I know are extremely important to you, who I know that family in general is extremely important to you, Cam. And 
I want to talk about it because it gets me fired up and I'm passionate about it because I love guys that have involved their family every step of the way. And you are, my man, are, are pretty much the guy that I think of first when I discuss this. I want to talk about a weekend. I, I, I've, I've watched a lot of your stuff, Cam. I'm a big fan of yours. And I know there was a weekend in Albany that your parents came up to visit where you, were, you, comp- you finished your game you had an incredible game, okay? And then something special happened after the game between you and your father when you were watching the New Jersey Devils playing the New York Rangers. It was the first game of a back-to-back. So I want you to first talk about your parents coming to see you and then that game in Albany. So I was in kind of a jam already with Lou because I got caught calling him on accident because somebody switched my phone with like another guy on the team's number with his <laughs> and I called him and it was very embarrassing and, and I don't want to get into it again because Lou doesn't like me talking about it so I don't want to do it but it was I thought I was getting sent down already because I kind of fucked up and my parents were in town and I'm like I've already lose my mind they're always happy to see me man I'm just starting to get grooving they work their ass off they help they love everything I do I'm a psycho kid but I figured I'm starting to figure it out, you know, and they're just, they just love my journey so far at that point. So anyway, I'm in a weird mood because I think Lou hates me and he's going to just fucking send me down because of shit I did. And so I'm like, fuck, I got to bring it. I got to bring the heat. I got to fucking bring it. So we play Springfield and I fight whoever and just fucking go. And I hit guys and I'm fucking putting it on. I get a nice assist with a nice backhand. Just like put on a show. And then I get into the hotel room and I still think I'm fucked. Because Lou's never there, so I just know that there's a connection. So anyway, I'm in the hotel room. We're eating pizza, drinking beer, and uh, we're watching the Devils play the Rangers. And Hallwig, Ryan Hallwig's running fucking guys, man. He just got called up. He's running everybody. The Devils play the Rangers again in MSG the next night. And I swear to fuck this happened. And in my, you know how much my mom and daddy mean, oh, boy. Like, I, I go there every day. They're 20 miles away. I go there every day. And I go see them. And just because I just I just can't help myself. I just do it because I just, I don't know. So my dad's talking to me. He goes, Hallwig's killing guys. He's like, you're getting called up tomorrow. And I go, <laughs> you have no fucking clue. I'm like, dad, just stop. And, and me and my dad have an awesome. I'd be like, just, well, yeah, sure. Okay. You know, you have no idea. Lou's going to fucking send me the fuck down because I'm an idiot. He's like, you're getting, you're getting called up tomorrow. I go, okay. Seven seconds later, I swear to God, right, Robbie Fatorik. Our AHL coach calls me. He goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm hanging out with my mom and dad, man. What's up? He goes, you're not playing tomorrow against Wilkes-Barre or whoever. I go, fuck, Robbie, what the fuck? I had an awesome relationship with him. Oh, I love him. So I can be, I can be that way, right? I'm like, Robbie, what? are you, Robbie? Why fucking, you know, I'm a, and he's like, would you shut the fuck up? I'm like, okay. He goes, let me fucking talk. I go, all right. He goes, you ain't getting called up tomorrow. Or, or he goes, you're not playing tomorrow because you just got called up and you're playing an MSG, uh, MSG tomorrow night. So shut the fuck up and pack your bags and go kick ass or something like that. And I'm like, <gasps> and your heart drops and your stomach drops. And then you're like, what do we do? He goes, you need, and then Marie Carnival calls and then everybody from the devil's call. And they're like, okay, get down to here. Pack your stuff up. We'll pay for your stuff. Get it down. And me and my dad are like, ah, 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 what do we do? What do we do? Ah, put this in. Ah, hug, cry, hug, cry, hug, cry. Ah, get, settle down. 
get, get that shit packed up. I got to go to my house. I got to get this. And it was <laughs> psychotic. Okay. Like, think, of, just yeah. think about that, though. Like, you're just hugging, crying. And you're like, and then we drive down and we're just like fucking listening to me. Like, I'm calling. I had a cell phone. I'm calling everybody. And like, everybody's going crazy. And, you know, I walk into the hotel and the guys are eating dinner. And Richard Mathachuk goes over and he goes, This is our fucking savior. And I'm like, Oh, God. And then, <laughs> I'm like, Okay, you fuck. He's a great guy. Talk to him. We, we were buddies afterwards, but I'm a kid. So then the next night we play uh, in MSG and I get rocked for a shift by Casparitis. And then I catch that motherfucker next shift coming around in that. And now I got my groove. That one hit. Now I'm like, Let's go. And I stayed up, man. And they had to do a couple things and get rid of Oli Wah and Langdon. And they called me up for the rest of the year or whatever it was. And this worked out. Well, it definitely worked out, Cam, because you set your mark right away. You earned your spot. And then it looks like you you actually led the team, even though you only played, what is it, about, about the half season that year, right? Yeah, and it was November. It was yeah, November. and you led the team in fighting majors with 11 in that half yeah. season. Yeah, like, oh, that's, yeah. Buddy, yeah. that's pretty impressive, my friend. Well, they had a sick team, and I was their guy. Yeah. They, didn't have any, they had a sick team. Like, the best team in the league at, throughout the regular season lost to Carolina, who won. But I had to go bring it. And Lou gave me a shot, and I was hitting guys, man, hard, dude. I was having five to six hits a game. And then I have to go Erskine, like, buckets off, like, let's go. And then the crowd would go crazy, and then I'd get all this attention. And then the cameras would want to talk to me because I was funny and like, you know. And and then Lou had to call me back down because he, <laughs> fuck, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Kem, you were you were getting that attention when you were seventeen in Windsor, my friend. When you were entertaining the whole room and and controlling interviews and <laughs> and entertaining everyone on TV that was watching it, and you know what I mean. So I'm sure now that you're a man, now that you're in the NHL, that it's going to be the same effect times three, my friend. Right? Yeah, but I'm still a little boy compared to everybody else. Like in Windsor, even if you're seventeen, guys are only two or three years older than you. Now I'm 20, 21, and you got 37-year-olds that yeah. made 50 million bucks. So I'm like, ugh, okay, I still got to, like, prove yourself again. You're not in the OHL. I was, I was swinging my dick around the OHL, like, fuck, well, I'm a big – but then you get there, and you're like, no, you're not. I have five houses all over the world. Shut the fuck up, kid. Figure it the fuck out. But we like you. We want to hang out. We like you. We're going to hang out with you. We 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 – but you better fucking bring it kind of thing. Yeah. How it is, dude. You're so so little guy. But that's what you did, right? And I think that's what a lot of the veterans in the New Jersey organization, I think that's why they liked you so much is because you knew your role so early on, man. And you performed. And then I'd go, then I'd entertain them everywhere else when we did things too, by the way. Because I forced those motherfuckers to take me out. Because why do you, and I tell all the kids this, why are you hanging out with the young guys? They don't know the fucking game. They don't have any money. They don't know anybody in the fucking, go hang out with the older guys. Meet, talk to the older guys. They talk about the game. They talk about how Lou is. They talk about, force yourself in that crowd and hang out with the older guys and be funny with them. If they tell you to go talk to a chick, go do it. (laughs) Certainly go do that because I don't even, they don't even tell me that. I'm going to go do it for them. And, you know, just like whatever, <laughs> just be cool. 
and then they'll pay for your fucking dinner too. So now, now, no, and 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 thank you for sharing that because that, that that's amazing. But when um, you're an older guy, you take care of the younger guys, and then when you take care of them and bring them over, I did that too, and I didn't even make that much money. <coughs> yeah. So so now now Cam, the other the other thing I kind of wanted to discuss is <coughs> obviously with you being such a big energy guy, right? I want to point out a fact that was a really big subject when we played in our era of time where the role players would have spots on the team simply because they were so good at certain things with you being an energy guy everyone needed an energy guy so if you had someone that was the best energy guy or one of the best energy guys in the league that was enough to have them in the lineup no matter what because it was such a big asset okay Now, the re- what I'm getting to here, Cam, is February 24th, 2007, when you scored your first goal in the National oh, yeah. Hockey League, my friend. Okay? Now, there's a record that you have in the NHL, Cam. <laughs> you know the record I'm talking about. This is an official NHL record, which would be in, in the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's an NHL record, right? Do, do you know what it is? I think I have two... Bad okay, but but do you know the one is that I'm talking about right now? The longest before having a first goal. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, it was fucking miserable. No, 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 no. That's not that's not my point of this, buddy. What my point of this is the fact that certain players could bring so much to a team. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. That they keep you in a lineup no matter what. Yeah. Damn. Right. Now, now yeah. I played. I played against you. You're a good hockey player, my friend. How it works at the NHL level for for the listeners that aren't familiar with the development, getting into pro. Everybody that played in the NHL was the best where they came from. Cam Jansen's mm-hmm. was the best where he came from. He came from the OHL. He was the toughest guy in the league. One of the best power forwards. Could put the puck in the net could set somebody up, he was the best all-around, hard-nosed player. He gets to the NHL, he's good enough to be there. Now, in order to stick in the NHL, there's something really, 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 really good that you have to do consistently. And you, Cam, what you did was you created energy and momentum for your team, and you were so passionate that it would be crazy for the head coach to scratch you in an NHL lineup. Okay. Yeah. And for 82 games, brother, is it 82? 82 game on the 82nd game of your career, you scored your first goal and 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 recorded your first point, and that didn't even matter because you are so good at what you do. And, and, and my and my parents were there too, by the way. <laughs> no way, buddy. Your yeah, parents yeah. were there that night. Isn't that wow. Weird? Isn't buddy. that funny? No, but 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 that's the way that it should be because yeah. that's how it's been for you your whole career, my friend. It, it, your parents were with you when you got called up to the NHL, that, man. Isn't that crazy? They're there everywhere I've ever been. It's always like it always happens. Like it, it, I guess when you do good things, like my mom and dad, are the o, they're the OGs of hockey parents in St. Louis. Everybody knows that. Like I'm in the amateur hockey all fame in St. Louis. They will be. And they don't even know what's going on. They don't even know how to like accept the award or anything. But they are 
the original because they were the first ones ever that didn't know anything that found a way to have a kid play in the NHL, being poor, not having any connections, not having a fucking thing. And they figured out a psychopath and mold him into playing. So they deserve everything. But you're right on that, though, man. Like, they kept me in the lineup because I just brought it. Like, I just bring it. And we didn't get, you know, I got scored on here and there. But, like, the good things that you did were, were good enough, even if you're not putting a point. And I did sit games out, too. And some games I had to figure different things out. Then I went through different problems and stuff like that, you know. But overall, it, it was good, man. It was good. And I went through a lot of ups and downs. And right now, I'm in a good spot. And I have a good job. And I do radio, and I can do it from my basement. And I told you, look, look, I I can sit outside and just look at, like, the graveyard up there. This beautiful, this is my little kitty cat right here. Look at that. So I just chill. And I don't know. It's kind of corny, but that's, it's just, I got a good gig now because I got to play, and I brought the heat, dude. That's the way it is. That's not corny at all, my friend. That's not corny at all. And, like, speaking of the view and everything, um, I wanted to move on to... The trade to your hometown, St. Louis. Okay. So now this was February 26, 2008. You get traded to your hometown. Did you have any idea that this was going to happen? No, I was hurt all year. I ripped my shoulder out against Peros, and it was just a miserable year. I was eating painkillers. I was like, oh, kind of a bunch of shit. But it was just miserable. I was like crying to my dad going to the rink and working out because I'd, I'd never been hurt before really that much. And it just was lonely. You weren't a part of the team. And then all of a sudden, Lou called me down. And I think he told me my face was fat, which is really weird. <laughs> He's like, your face is fat. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, come here, I got to talk to you. And he did me a favor to trade me to St. Louis. But they got Bryce Salvador, which is great. He wasn't going to sign next year anyway. But getting traded to your hometown, dude, was the best thing for me four after hockey if i didn't play for the blues i would be i'd be pretty popular here and i'd be able to do things but playing here for four years and doing what i did and being loud and being from there so i did so many different things around town i'm just like i know everybody like you know everybody you can't go to the gas station which is good you know like if i needed to call about something like you just know people everybody knows who you are like it just you have a radio show now every day, and it's like it just it just worked out, man. So Lou did me a favor on that, and it was it was great. Yeah, it was man. Stressful, I mean, fucking stressful. Don't get me wrong. Jesus Christ, I had to get the fuck out of here. Like after four years playing in your hometown, living by your parents, everybody knows where you live. I was okay. We I need to get the fuck out of here, and they didn't resign me anyway. That wasn't the case, but it was time to go back to the Devils and just get away from St. Louis. Yeah. And, and like, and like I, I definitely want to talk about you going back to New Jersey. But before that, Cam, like, I hear what you're saying about, you know, everyone knows where you live and all that kind of stuff. But in my opinion, your first full season that you did with St. Louis, that's what got you so popular, brother. It wasn't just the fact that you were a St. Louis Blue. It was the fact that you played the better part of 60 games. You, were, you played in the playoffs that year. Right? You got in the lineup in the playoffs. Yeah, against right? Van. Yeah, you, Vancouver. Yeah, they, yeah uh, man. You, you, you put up points that season. You almost yeah. had 150 penalty minutes. Oh, I mean, buddy, you, well, you, I put a show on. No, dude. You, I you used to, did really oh, well your first full season in St. Louis, buddy. You, I would go no bucket and warm up. I'd slick the hair back. <laughs> I'd fucking bring all my buddies. They'd yeah. park underneath. 
I bring girls. They hang out the wives' lounge. The girls get pissed about my girls being in there. I was <laughs> loud in interviews. I was doing charity events every two seconds. I was in the paper all the time. You know, you're just there. And then I'm going buckets off. And like, let's go. Putting on a big show. Then getting all my buddies going to school with and everybody. Like, I had two different lives, man. My teammates and then my buddies, right? So I had two lives. So I'd take my teammates and I'd intermix everybody. And we'd party all the time because we knew everybody. we walk into clubs and whatever we wanted to do. And you just burn. It was just, it's just was fun, man. Like, it was stupid. It was fake. It was, I busted my ass. But we were having so much fun to where... It was too much <laughs> at times, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I, I think for you, Cam, like, I mean, you were there, like the length of someone is somewhere for university, the length of a, 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 a presidential um, venture. Like you were there four years, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and that was a solid time. You gave the city of St. Louis everything you had, which you still do because you're a big part of the city right now, yeah. right? And my point was that it wasn't just because you were playing for St. Louis, but it's because of how hard you worked and how well you did right off the hop, especially in that first year that you played a full season, right, my friend? Oh, so, yeah, dude. You so hats it, off to you with what you did in your hometown, buddy, because a yeah. lot of guys, they tried to do what you did. They try to go to their hometowns. It happens in my hometown a lot in Toronto, and it's absolute disasters, bud. Not yeah. all of them, but 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 some of them, they don't work out the way that everyone wants it to. But, but with you, my friend, it is a wonderful story when Cam Jansen's played for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, it was perfect. And I was the first one to play in, in, the, in the NHL and then for the Blues, too, being from St. Louis. So it was like a cool trend. And then Amazing. all these kids are playing all the time now. So it's it's. Again, it's the best thing for my my second career for sure. And again, I, I'm I'm so close with all the blues and the organization and the ownership, and we're all tight and the alumni and we all raise money and we they asked me to do all I mean we just we're just we have a big cool group, man, of guys too. We all have fun together big time and we raise money for charity and shit all the time. And that's what I wanted to actually bring up real quick before we jump back to New Jersey. Um, so now being at your hometown, Cam, and, and how popular you are in that city, how, how excited was it for you to do charity work in your hometown and being such a big idol to so many people? Oh, I love doing charity work one way or the other. Now, people do take advantage of you. With stuff. Yes. Like, you get, you get torn. I'm a lot more, like, my wife kind of runs the show now. So if somebody needs me for something, like, like she kind of organizes it for me and stuff. Like, you can't do everything for everybody. And I, I give my time to charity more than any money, to be honest with you. Like, I, I'll be honest. Like, like, Cam, can you – I got no, but I'll come there for an hour free and I'll talk to the kids or whatever. It's, I do stuff for Children's Hospital and just – that's always I'm going to do that. But you have to know when people take advantage of it too because they will. They think that you could do, can you come here and give a speech for that and do this and that? I'm like, well, what? And so I used to say yes to everything, but now over the years, you know, and, the, and my wife, not that she says, but she's like, no, Cam, like she, you have to say no at, at times too. So um, I'm just being honest, dude. Like I do a ton of stuff. So, but people do take advantage of it. Remember that. Yes. 
I agree. And, you know, on, on episode seven of The Sheriff, you know, I was lucky enough to have NHL legend Shane Corson on. Great and guy. he said something very, he was talking very, very similar to you. You know what I mean? And he feels the same way that you feel, that it's much more important to give your time, Cam, because yeah. I think that that would do a lot more than you donating five grand or something along those lines, right? So... Yeah. I, I think that's great. On this show, I really like to get into that extracurricular stuff because yes. I find that, especially with you, Cam, you have such a big platform right now, buddy, and you have, you're such a good-hearted guy that anything that you're involved with, it becomes that much more special because you're behind it. So yeah. I want to support all that stuff that you do. Because you're one of the best people to be doing it. And it's mostly because of your heart and because of your energy, buddy. Here, here's what I do. Here's the four pillars of what the alumni want to give charity to. Now, we'll get, we'll give charity to anybody. And I shouldn't even represent the alumni. I'll, I'll give it myself. Okay. Military first responders, their children, children with cancer, Shriners Hospital, kids that need help inner city kids that need help guidance those three um military first responders and and for blues kids that trying to get into hockey but the three are like your military we do a ton uh first responders police fire all that inner city kids that are broken down that need help getting to different schools or money anyway and if kids with cancer shriners like that stuff is number one everything else is kind of secondary then you kind of go from there and see where everything is and there's something going on first responders and of course youth hockey in st louis are the four pillars oh buddy i, I want to really thank you for sharing that because i i find that it's just so important man and 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 like I said, Cam, like like I'm, I'll support anything that you're involved with, buddy. Because like I said, your heart and your energy and your passion—that's what I'm all about, buddy. And it gets my juices flowing, right? <laughs> so now the last thing that I wanted to talk about with St. Louis, Cam, is the influence that you have with now. Now, what's the proper term for someone that's from the St. Louis area? A, a St. Louisian? What are you yeah, guys? Yeah, I mean, it could be a hillbilly. <laughs> yeah. okay. I mean, I, I, you know, like I'm from like again the woods, man. So like, no, yeah. it's not like you, we. The St. Louis is awesome because you can go to a public high school out here, and you'll have your hillbilly boys. They'll have city kids come in. Yep. Uh, you'll have wealthy, fancy lad kids. You'll have a different, just you know, different kind of. Mul it's just multicultural, and everybody yeah. comes in, and you get all get along, and it's cool. And, and, and so, like, St. Louis is cool, man. You got your wealthy. You got your good old boys. You got hardcore city. You got this. You got that. You got a mixture of everything. And the public school system here, although in the city is tough, but out, like, in Eureka, you have a mixture of everything, man. And you learn from that. And, like, you just, you know, you, you're, not, you're not aloof to anything here, you know, when it, when it comes to just, like, like, the cities are hardcore, man. Like, they are. And they're, we, they, we, they need help, and everybody knows that. And then, you know, even the outskirts are hardcore. Like, like 
Like, there's no money there either. It's so, like, they need help. So it's like everybody just kind of knows what the problems are. There's a ton of problems. But I love being a Midwest boy. I'll tell you that right now, man. I love it. I do. Yeah, and I mean, Cam, I mean, your your fam, you did you definitely didn't grow up rich or wealthy or privileged. No, man. I you know what I'm privileged? I had a mom and dad. Yeah, no, I, I had a I'm daddy. talking I had a dad. That's right. That's, that's right. Hard. That's now, I'm telling you, dude. If I didn't have a fucking yeah. dad, I'd be fucked. Not that my yeah. mom's not not that my, listen, my mom's a badass. She worked at Clayton Prison. She worked at Clayton Prison as a as a as a nurse, so she dealt with everybody, and they loved her. Oh, she I'm knows sure how to talk did. to them, and she knew my problems, what I had. But if I didn't have them, I I would have been a fucking disaster. I'm not gonna lie to you, okay? I'd be a fucking disaster, and and either my mom went there or my dad went there, I would have been fucked. So we're on privilege, not because we had money. Or my dad knew a fucking source to get me to the OHL. What? He had no fucking cl- no. He was spraying fucking waterproofing shit on in 150 degree weather, like like. Ugh. But they they were there for me. And yeah, that is that's the privilege that got me to the next level. Yeah. Well, I always know that it's always good to hear like certain things from like someone else, and like what I want to tell you is that what I can tell you as a kid that grew up that was a hockey player and that always looked up to the junior players and the pro players, especially from my city, I'm telling you right now, man, that because of your hard work and because of your family supporting you and and you and your family, not you, but your family and you making it to the NHL, having a wonderful career, playing for your hometown city and being successful with that, that's going to motivate so many kids that aren't privileged, that don't have a lot of money, that are just regular kids from the St. Louis area that can look up to someone like Cam Jansen's made it. So can I. Cam Jansen's from Eureka. I can do it too. That's what. That's the beautiful thing about what you've done, my brother. Oh, you know what I mean? Man. And it's oh, difficult yeah. for you to acknowledge that, but I want to tell you. Because it's I, so I important. acknowledge that. No, I, I do. And I said that in one of my speeches. Uh, I, I did a speech, and the last part of it was, dude, okay, like, don't, I'm gifted with like my body type, and so are you. I'm looking at your arms right now. Who are you kidding? <laughs> and like, I, I'm, I'm athletically gifted, but you could be a dipshit too. You could be the baddest looking motherfucker in the league and just not get it. You just don't get it. You don't know what the fuck. I'm going to go fucking do this instead. Um, no, 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 no. You got to put it all together. But yeah, man, like I figure, I always said, no, I came from Eureka, Missouri, and my mom and dad had nothing to do with hockey. They were, And if I could do this, then anybody can. I didn't have the hockey sense. I didn't, I just did it. If I had to go fight you, if I had to do this, if I had to figure out how to be a hitter, if I had to do that, you just figure it the fuck out. I'm different in what I figured out, but you might not be as big, but you might, your hands are that much better and you know the game better. So take advantage of that and figure it out. Like whatever you have, you got to use it, baby. You got to use it. That's it. Real talk right there, my friend. Real talk right there. Oh yeah. Moving, moving along, Cam. Now you got a second stint with your, with your draft team, the New Jersey Devils, right? Yeah. So this was a free agent signing. Just looking at the year, this is in 2011. Okay. So now 
the the incredible thing about this cam for me is a player that plays for an organization and you know a business decision you know there's a trade that happens or you know a contract's not renewed but when the player returns to that organization brother that means a lot to someone yeah. that knows a lot about sports teams yeah lou lou got me back man and and we went on a cup run and lost and i didn't play in it but eric bold and i were both signed and we both stayed on the team he had two guys that did the same job but we were so good in the locker room that they just kept us and we were so Eric Bolton is such a fucking awesome guy. You, know, you probably fought him and battled with him in Buffalo. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, me and Bolt oh. had the same agent. My, I don't know if you met Bolt's agent, Mike Welcome. Oh, he did a great the, job. He did a the great redhead job for Bolt. Buffalo, but he was my agent, and and I actually know Bolts pretty well. Oh, from God, that is time, he fucking funny, man. Oh, he's amazing. God, man. He, he's one of the funniest, and you don't know if he. You gotta get to know nope. him. He is yeah. so. He was one of my fun, best friends. We would dress up together, and we would put on a show for all the guys. And we were funny to everyone, and we stuck up for everybody. And we hung out with Covey and Marty and Clark. Just fucking everyone, dude. And we just were. And Lou kept us both on the team, and he didn't have to. And we fucking went all in one. We lost the Kings, but it was a good run, dude. But having two guys like that on the same team. But if Bolts and I were butting heads, it, we they would have got rid of one of us, but we were best buddies. And we walk in the locker room like, hey, like just be funny to all uh, guys. Are like, oh, it just we just made everybody laugh, man. It's part of it. He's so fucking funny. I can't. I'm telling you, dude. He's 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 such a one line. He, he's hilarious. He's a go biggest goofball, underrated tough guy. He was such a killer, dude. He threw so hard down the pipe, man. Like he threw from fucking like this. Wham. And he knocked guys out, but he was just such a like, ooh, he'd act like Chris Farley. Like, just God. My, one of my best friends ever when it comes to hockey, no doubt. Ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're discussing um, Eric Bolton, who played for the Buffalo Sabres for a long time. <laughs> I, I, had the, I, I was lucky enough to be represented by the same guy, and I got to know Bolts a little bit. And I'll tell you what, Cam, there was a poster in the Buffalo Sabres dressing room of Eric loading up for one of those Bolton bombs. And on the yeah. top of the poster, it said Bolton bomb. And, and it was him, like, doing his lean, man, when he's like yeah. this. He's just, and you can see in his eyes, he's just about to unleash, man. And, yeah, and, and yeah I, I'll tell you, I agree with everything you just said about, about Bolts, man. I think I mean I think that I think he's pretty respected though, like with fans and other hockey people. But I do believe he's also underrated. He's underrated. Because, yeah, because he's he under, is no, one, a no, you know, no one talks about like, he, he, him, John Erskine. Yeah, Paul that's Laws. a great example. Erskine too. Paul Laws. Uh, I didn't say Eric Goddard because no one yep. even like oh. Goddard. Yep. He's a giant killer, you know. You, we all know, man. We have our PhD in shit kickers, dude. We just know who's killer. You know, we have. It is what it is. Like, you, you don't ask me about medicine, but if you want to know about fucking shit kickers, I'll tell you. <laughs> and so are you? Yeah, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. That's the way now, it is. Now, Cam. Now, we both got the great experience, brother, of playing across the pond. No, oh, loved it. Right. I so now, it. now, so now. 
you're talking to a guy right now that was there. Like I was lucky enough to actually be there for two different seasons, right? Like, cause I played for Belfast and the second season I played for the Dundee stars. Okay. So, I mean, man, I, I experienced it too, bro. And I've, I've heard some interviews that you've done talking about Nottingham and, and man, listening to you, man, I'm just reminiscing and, it was so similar for me, Cam. Like, you know what I'm saying? But, like, what what made you decide? Was it you and your wife that decided? Like, what was well, what happened when you went over there? We're, we're both kind of history buffs. And um, I love castles, and I love European history, for one. But I was in a weird jam where I didn't want to play in an American League. I haven't got a job offer yet about what I want to do. Like, I had radio job offers right after I played my first year in Nottingham. But so my buddy Jordy Fox and Brock Wilson texted me like, dude, Nottingham would love to have dude. It's so fun. You'll have a blast. They'll love you there. And I'm like, okay. And I knew the money is not going to be that that great. But you know, like you got to prove yourself there for they can't just like hire a you get you gotta prove yourself there to make a you know, but it wasn't about that. It was more about just like, let me go there, look some castles, fucking bring the heat for this fucking little town. I, I, I want to take this little town over, have fun with all the guys, just be an awesome teammate. Hopefully you don't get hurt, but just go just do your thing. And so we did it. And they treated me so well. And Kate, oh, God, they love Kate so much. Oh, God. You know, she's a princess. And everywhere we went, everybody took care of us. And I fucking brought the heat for them, dude. Like, I, you know, I went out there last, like, I, you know, they bring everybody out underneath the big thing in that big rink would be packed, and I'd be the last one. I roll my fucking sleeves up like motherfuck, and I'd stand out there and I'd fucking go wow, and I'd hit that thing and I'd had no bucket on with the hair slicked back and I'd troll it and everybody go crazy and you go just bring it, man. And you know I talked to the fans and Kate met friends and we had buddies over there and the teammates were fucking awesome, and we just did it dude and we won some championships together and my last game ever i held a trophy up like dude we just but if i would have went there and just like i'm gonna fight then no but i fucking brought it man like i was crushing guys and i scored some big goals and like you know i don't know it was awesome it's awesome man. dude and, and, and cam like like i i know for you it must have been the same like did you feel there was like a like a new passion for the game playing yeah, over there of, just because yeah. of like the way the fans were and because it was they a somewhat it, new dude. sport kind of and yeah dude i remember going there and you're a fucking midwest american boy and they love that shit you know they love your accent they love your energy and then they are still in that fighting crave you know they crave that killer you know that that passion where i was running guys now, it took me three games to figure out the ice because the ice was so big. Yeah. So I couldn't get my timing. So I'd come down and hit a guy, and I'm like, come. And all of a sudden, he's backs away. And I'm like, when he gets rid of the puck, I'm like, fuck. I'm like, fuck, spin off. And I got to skate all the way back down. And I'm like, get your groove. Get your groove. And so I'm like, fuck, okay. So finally, I got my groove. And then I'm starting, boom, bam. And then the crowd goes crazy. And I'm like, boom. And then you get the puck and you make a play or whatever. And then it, you skid off the ice and they start chanting your name. And you're like, you know, like, whatever. I didn't want to show off too, too much because, you know, and then 
there's a couple plays where like God, one of our guys got ran over hard hit by uh, this guy named Marsh, Brad Marsh. And it was all anticipated and I caught him. So I had to fight him. It was at home and we went and I caught him. And I knocked him out really bad and I didn't even do anything to the crowd. I just went and I just skated to the penalty box like this. I go, don't do anything. And I sat down and then they just don't never forget that shit, dude. Like just that they'll never forget that shit. And they still tweet at me all the time. And I bet you right now, if I went over there, I could go over there and sit down and sign autographs and the whole city will have a mile long thing, you know? So I think that's kind of, and Kate will be right next to me because they like her more than me. Now, now Cam, Cam and I had the, for the listeners out there, we had the experience of playing in the first division in Britain. It's called the EIHL. And the league is very, very competitive. The imports are all AHL and East Coast guys and guys, some NHL guys, resumes. And it's very competitive hockey. But what's most impressive about it is the passion around the sport, is the way that the fans interact with the players, is the chanting in the crowd. Yeah. Remember the chants in the crowd? Yeah. Yeah. Now, Cam, tell me about your first time going into the city of coventry oh lord what was dude. that like those motherfuckers are all over me now i can only I imagine have, i didn't have any like horrible things that they could dig up but i'll give you an example they were all over me and they're right behind you and there's no glass and i just turn around and i'd be buddies with them and they chirp me and i'd laugh and i go out there and do my thing and they chirp me and i'd laugh and i'd like that was actually a good one and by the end of the year, I've had all these fans, not just from Nottingham, but from every city, give me things like, you were so fun to watch. I hated you at the beginning, but God, you're a good guy. And that made me like teary-eyed, dude. Because now these guys that fucking rip you, they're like, you just played it so cool. And you were crushing everybody, but I, I just wanted you to, you know, it's just, that's a cool thing. And they treated Kate great. No one fuck with Kate. No one fuck with anybody. They were... Because I was nice to everybody. Even if they bashed me, I'm like, you're right, kind of, you know, or whatever. And they just were like, oh, my God, he's, he just does his shit. You know, that's just a simple fact. So it's cool. That, and, and that's amazing. And, Cam, like, what I found is that the fans in the U.K., they just simply want to be entertained. Yeah. They're yeah. paying this, this money for the tickets. They want entertainment. And like you just mentioned, brother, where I had very similar experience, I, we went over to this league – we showed what we can do. We gave it our all. So obviously the opposing teams are not going to like us. We're beaten and running over their guys. But then a quarter, a half into the season, we start winning them over. They're like, yeah. you know what? I love Cam, even though I hate him during the game. I love the entertainment. It's, I, I get to drink with my lads, and it's unbelievable. You Dude, know what they I mean? fucking text me all the time. Yeah. They, they mess. I keep my shit open. So they message me every time. They listen to podcasts. I talk about them. Um, you know, they send me stuff in the mail. It's cool, man. I that's I, that's what I I get a kick out of, dude. All that stuff. And Cam, you were there for one season, buddy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, though. <laughs> yeah. Like that's how big of an impact you had. If you were there for two or three seasons, I I believe you made such a good choice of the timing of you getting into your post-hockey career. Like, yeah. don't get me wrong. Hands down, I got to tip my hat to you, buddy. Great fucking timing with that, okay? Now, 
But what I'm talking about is if you were there for a couple of years, the impact would even be that much more. You only took one year and you made that big of an impact. I'm sure the support that you get for all your other ventures, there's a big, there's a big group of people from the UK that I'm sure are big Cam Jansen supporters. Well, they, it's like our our podcast is like top over there. Yeah. That's an, that's an, isn't that incredible though? Yeah. So it's good, man. That's so cool, dude, though. That's what you do, man. It feels good. But, you know, Kate and I worked hard on that. Like we were nice to everybody and we worked hard and things worked out. So it it was, it was great, but you got to be good to everybody, dude. Yeah. And we were, and we weren't making that much money. And it wasn't about that. It's about just go bring it. Yeah. And take that city over. Kim, I, I think one thing that, that you and Kate also did was you, you really were riding that crest of the wave of building your brand. Yeah. I believe that that year, because of the interacting with the fans, because of the extra entertainment and the extra effort you were putting in, because they just got so much out of it with, with those type of fans in that part of the world that you were really preparing your, your, just your brand, man, and getting ready for this media stuff. And, and, and like, it was perfect for you, my friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then that and doing shit with the blues, not knowing again, living two different lives here and having like fans, what you do, your, your buddies, what you do. You just do everything. Now I'm not like that because I already did it. So I can't have people take advantage of me. But back then I just did it because I just knew it was for the greater good. I didn't know what the greater good was. But now I do, and it worked out. Now you sure do. Now, Cam, because because we we brought her up a few times, buddy. I'm absolutely loving this team that you're defining with you and Kate. Can you elaborate a little bit more about this team that you put together with you and your girl? Like, well, like the, this team. No, no, because because I've done things similar, and I find that when you're when your significant other can be involved like that and can manage you in certain ways like that, man, oh, man, is it ever effective. Do, well, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, yeah. I mean, it's just like Kate, she's my best friend. And so, you know, we have a lot of things going on, and she's a part of everything with me. So she knows when things are weird when it comes to people and business. Not that she's in, involved with everything, because my business partner is Andy Strickland. And he's yeah. like my other wife, which is very bizarre. <laughs> So I got two people really doing it, you know. And so who's got more attitude? Andy. Yeah, he's more (laughs) of a broad than anybody. No, but he he does the business. Kate knows the me side, and if I go do a thing, I need a driver. If I because I I'll be there all night, and I need to get home. Need to catch my drift, like you know. Yeah, you're gonna have me go entertain people. I need a fucking Uber ride back. Andy ain't taking care of that. Kate is. Yeah, or you know something like that, you know, or just like this—it's a combination of shit. And you know, people taking advantage of me in a weird way. Kate deals with that business side. Andy deals with. I don't like to do business and, and promote myself to people. I come in on the meetings, and Andy brings it in. I talk, be happy, funny, get them, and Andy does all the fucking shit. But then he gets half the company, so that's how it works. Kate and I are a team. Andy and I are a team. And that's how it is, dude. Yes, dude. And and I think that is the most effective way that you could do it, Cam. I'm so happy to hear this, brother. I'm a big supporter with that kind of setup, my friend. Yeah. Now we we're bringing up we're bringing up the two wives right now, right? So come here. Well, come are are you going to bring Kate. her in for a sec? Yeah, Kate, bring her in, in, man. Please. Come here for two seconds. Say hi. Just Real for quick. two seconds. Yeah, bring her in. I got her. 
Yeah. Two seconds. She's this is awesome. Man. Ladies and gentlemen, this, this is a very unique show because, man, Cam is such a unique guy. Hello. I want to <laughs> thank you personally. I want to thank you personally for making this man the way he is right now. That's what I wanted to say. Day gentlemen, I, I she, had to give a shout out to Cam's wife. She wants me to like, uh, well, I think we have to paint the room now and stuff. So I think she's giving me that look. Yeah, you know, no, definitely. Just... I, I know that you've given me some extra time here, Cam. Good, and, I, and I really, really appreciate it. But just before we go, I want to plug, I want to plug some stuff that you got going on right now. Okay. So I know we're talking about Andy a lot. And, 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 you know, like, I, like, I want to talk about like your podcast a little bit. Um, what do you guys have going on right now? And, and what does it look like for the future? Well, shit, we've had every big boy on possible. Wayne Gretzky yep. to fucking every, we get anybody. We just had Ricky Nash on, you know, Nasher. Yeah, I saw Ted, that the other day. We got Ted Nolan. So we like to mix it up. So we went from Ricky Nash. Now we're going to Ted Nolan. So Ted Nolan was a coach for the Sabres. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, buddy, I know. Got like typecasted out of the league and shit. So now it's like a, we need to talk about that. And then that's yeah. where we get like Brian Trottier on and talk about him, about fucking his fucking shit. We, you know, so we just pick out and they all say yes because it's a therapy session for him, man. Like they know we ask good questions and they're going to get the whatever they want to let out to get to the media that they, they do that. We get owners, we get GMs, we get everybody on shit kickers, everybody. So, Camus Trick Pod, it's everywhere. You can follow me on social media and all that shit. Just look it up. You guys figure it out. I don't. Like, you'll know what to do with it. It's there. You, you know, just type it in. You'll find it. It's easy. Yes, of course. So now, Cam, like I, I wanted to thank you, buddy, because on on the on the sheriff podcast, like like we try, me and Kyle try to bring on guys that are passionate guys that are full of character guys that are like ourselves and cam like you are so on top of that list buddy that you have no idea <laughs> and it's an honor for the sheriff podcast to have cam jansen's on episode number nine ladies and gentlemen oh, yeah. right so cam i want to thank you again buddy i want to thank kate for making you the man that you are today <laughs> and andy man you got a great business partner here buddy so keep going strong i wish you the best my friend i hope we can do this again another day my friend you let me know homeboy keep doing your thing dude you're doing great here's bye bye to boo boo real quick say bye bye look how nerdy, <laughs> look how nerdy i am all right, all right, cam jansen's ladies and gentlemen thanks you, a lot cam we'll see you next time Guys, I want to thank you for listening to Episode 9 of The Sheriff, featuring special guest Cam Jansen's. We'll see you soon, guys. Woo!